Hi, this is Tamsin Granger. And this is Dan Abuhop. With Tamsin and Dan Read the Paper. And uh, we are on location in Richmond <laughs> with Cindy and David Gompert. The annual Gompert podcast. Say hello, Cindy and David. Hi there. Greetings. <laughs> here we go. Uh, so we're down here um, celebrating as usual. Yes. I should mention that this has been uh, a big birthday week uh, up uh at Limeport, it was Javier's birthday uh-huh. uh, uh, last week. My birthday, also. Um, Mark's birthday is coming up. My friend Nancy Ferguson's birthday uh, is coming up. It's a birthday time of year. Yeah. And uh, but meanwhile, we're in Richmond. We've been having a great time doing the usual Richmond stuff, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so now, one of the most important part of that is really the uh, Gompert uh, podcast. Yes. All right. So we're going to jump right into that. And uh, for those who uh, are not familiar with these, you just got to go with the flow. Uh, anything can happen during these podcasts. Uh, any subject. Uh, it's um, you know, it's a wild ride. So uh, why don't we start with uh, David had pointed out an article that. Uh, caught his attention uh, having to do with vaccines and uh, Djokovic. Yeah, this falls into the category of things that really ought to change, but won't. That is, laws (laughs) and rules, practices. And David. And I should change, but won't. (laughs) Um, The number one tennis player in the world, men's, is Novak Djokovic. Once again, at the top. Um, he has won the uh, Indian Wells uh, Trophy in California five times and is expected to win the sixth, favorite, I should say, to win the sixth. And he wants to participate a month later in the Miami Open. However, he's not allowed in the United States. Novak Djokovic uh, declined to be vaccinated for covid And at the time when COVID was a pandemic, I agreed that he should not be allowed, nor should anyone be allowed in the country, uh, unwilling to be vaccinated. However, the pandemic is over. Um, There are, I'm sure, millions of persons living in the United States who've not been vaccinated. And there's really no reason why he should be kept out of the country because he hasn't been vaccinated for a disease which has really ebbed. Yeah, um, so, but let me ask you this question. Yeah. This is a bigger issue than Djokovic, if I'm understanding you correctly. I think well, you're saying that no one can enter the country if they're not vaccinated? Uh, they, have to, they can come in on a national security exemption. Well, that's pretty narrow. That's the only one. Is that right? Yeah. And, well, no and the question for Djokovic is, should he get a personal uh, pass... Uh, exemption, or should the entire rule be rescinded? Um, the rule's not going to get rescinded anytime soon. It's actually passed the House with all Republicans and seven Democrats voting in favor of rescinding the vaccination requirement for entering the United States. It has not been taken up in the Senate. Yeah, that surprises me. Though. It does surprise me and, and hasn't gone to the um, to the White House, eventually, 
the president's going to have to deal with it, assuming the Senate uh, decides it should be rescinded, and then who knows what the president's going to do. But it could take, what, a year or two? Yeah. Um, really? So in the meantime, shouldn't he have an exemption? Yeah. My answer is yes, full stop. Well, I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> I'm all for, I don't understand why it's not being rescinded. I don't care about Djokovic. Uh, but uh, and I don't see why he's in a special case at all. But uh, but to, I am agreeing with you to the extent that it, I can't fathom the notion that this requirement still exists. And if anything, the fact that Djokovic might be denied the opportunity to, to play in a tournament and will get some publicity will only put a spotlight on this and maybe result in the, in the rescission occurring. So that's good news. Eventually. Well, why does it take so long? Um, because it requires. Legislation. I understand, but yeah. legislation doesn't have to take but look, that long. The president could easily give him an exemption. I don't care nobody. about Djokovic. Don't care. You don't? No. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, I, let me put it this way. I don't care about Djokovic any more than anyone else who right. wants well, to that, the country. By that reasoning, yeah. there's practically no one I can think of who you would allow in the United States I'd, who hasn't been vaccinated. I'd, I'd allow anyone in who hasn't been vaccinated. In other words, I think it should be rescinded. Rescinded, yeah. I just don't think it's a special case. No, it's not going to be rescinded before these tournaments. And the number one player well, that's the is problem. going to be that's barred. I think we'll live with that. Okay. But, uh, all right. So let's go to... Uh, oh, yeah. This was the Claire Driscoll. Oh, Clara Driscoll. Clara. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a... Um... What's that? Uh, gone but not forgotten. Gone but not forgotten. We, more. we forgot the, to the write this obituary. Looks, yeah, <laughs> time looks back at yeah. uh, people who are of interest but didn't have a Times obituary, which usually is the standard of declaring yes. you are of interest. In right. her case, maybe she became of more interest since her death because of the controversy over the, the well, process well, at Tiffany. But she. When she became uh, of interest, uh, it was actually uh, due to um, some letters, and that was in the early oh. early two thousands. Okay. Okay. Um, Nina Gray was doing some research on uh, Tiffany and Clara Driscoll. Um, she's an art historian, and uh, she discovered a treasure trove. Cindy, how, what was it, like 350 letters or something? 338, I believe, or 358. Yeah. Um, in the Queen's Historic Society uh, of this woman who was, Cindy? She uh, was one of the Tiffany, what they call the Tiffany girls, and uh, they were people that were hired by Tiffany. They were not allowed to be married, <laughs> which is ridiculous. And basically, uh, Clara Driscoll was one of the most prolific uh, designers of the lamps. Well, she was head of the department. She was head of the department. And she designed some of the most fabulous lamps. Right. And the one that the most famous was the dragonfly lamp, Mm. uh, which fetched $2.1 million at auction in 2015. Yeah, um, so there were there were about three or four of those or something? Oh, I think they're more than that. Really? Or probably. No, I think maybe they were only three, but then there were copies. And so, but, but in the process of discovering these letters, um, much more was discovered about how Tiffany was taking credit for everything. all these lamps, mm-hmm. but it was really Clara and her staff 
and some of her co-workers. Um, and that resulted in some big exhibitions yeah, in, the two th- in the early 2000s. Yeah, there was an exhibit here in Richmond at the VMFA uh, about this. and um, You said the VMFA has a, quite a few. Quite a big knows. collection, of, particularly of hers. Virginia Museum of Fine Arts. Yeah. So for anybody, for the uninitiated, the Tiffany lamps yeah. are the colored glass, leaded, stained glass lamps. Yeah, very natural looking. And they're amazing. Yeah. I think we get, we've been, uh, uh, I don't know what you call it, uh, we've lost sight of just how beautiful a Tiffany lamp is because of all the, the damn lamps in uh, miscellaneous bars and TGIF Friday and right, so on. Right. And uh, it's it, the flowers come alive, right, Cindy? Right. It's just beautiful stuff. She uh, she was married about three times, and the first uh, marriage she had to leave Tiffany, and I guess they divorced, and then she remarried. No, he died. Oh, he died. He so died. then she went back to Tiffany. Then she married a second time. To a musician. Is that what an it artist, was? Something like guess. that. Some anyway, sketchy guy. Something like on their honeymoon, he disappeared and uh, showed up about eight years later. And then she finally married uh, the third time and lived in New Jersey. Well, it said they summered at Point Pleasant. Yes. So we've all been to Point Pleasant. Yeah. Uh, but she was an amazing artist, had an amazing eye, and really is personally responsible for you know, all these things that, I guess... The New York Historic Society has a huge collection as yeah, well. Yeah, there was at one point where her lamp was put into an exhibition, and I can't an international exhibition, but her name had been not listed, mm-hmm. and it came in first. Yeah. I believe. But, I mean, Are this, we is not, this is not totally just uh, sexism or yeah. whatever. In many um, situations, in many businesses that create something. The head of the business is the business itself is associated with the product. well, sure, but this yeah. is art. This is art. Same thing with the you know the Renaissance um, ateliers. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right. You don't say something. Uh, there's a lot of what we call Raphael ago. that was not painted by Raphael. Fine. Uh, Fair enough. But right. but uh, but so, I think we're skirting the big issue here, or the most interesting issue, is what was Tiffany doing in claiming credit for the creations, the artistic creations of his employees. Now, was it just the times? Was it just the industry? No, no, dear. Or was it something... He's selling selling Tiffany lamps, okay? Yeah. And uh, how many products do you buy? You have any idea who made it? Well, if if it's a piece of of art, I'd like to know. Piece, yeah. Even pieces of art on a grand scale. I mean, uh, if it could have a lot of people working together on it. You don't know who grinded the pig, pigments. Right, or right. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, but, but, but he um, took... the glass. But he took credit. It's a Tiffany window. Yeah. As evidenced Tiffany by the window. fact that until the early 2000s, everyone thought that Louis Comfort Tiffany was the artist, was the designer. And he... Generated that narrative, that no, fiction. No, you know, I beg to differ. You don't. You have. You have at least one piece of Tiffany. I have at least one piece of Tiffany. I think. 
Did do you labor under the assumption that Tiffany's mouth blew that piece? Yes, because it says <laughs> be, because it says LCT. No, it's it's no, hand. I, I totally LCT. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, uh, listen. He, he had a whole he had a whole staff. Um, I guess we should agree to disagree. Well, I, yeah. Look, I mean, I I, I will say nice that. It's nice that you think that. It's I would, nice. I suppose when you walk into a restaurant, you think the chef made all the food. Okay. Well, they, he, this is art. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Can there. I just say one thing? Yeah. It's not art; it's business. And when Tiffany's in the business of selling lamps, yeah, he's he's going to market it the way it's going to sell the most lamps, and the way right. he's going to sell the most lamps is to put his name credit. on it. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. I think that's. Tip, it. Yeah. Tip, All right. Okay. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. No, I, I, I think you made your point. Yeah. On this side of the table, we could talk about Tiffany. I know. Yeah. I. I'm sorry to hear that, but it's true. But Clara so, Driscoll. Yes, Clara Driscoll. Worth remembering. All right. I'm yes. glad she's David, getting David, credit now. I want David to start talking about fungus because this is what he wants to there's talk about. There's a fungus among us. The fungus among us. You know, there's a, a series of extremely popular um, series yeah. out called The Last of Us, which is about um, fungus taking over the earth. And a, a few... Humans attempting to um, escape it, watch it. Um, we did and gave up. But in any case, <laughs> now, jump shift in Tennessee, Jack Daniels yeah. distills whiskey. It's got several barrel houses as well as a distillery in, um, in Lincoln County, Tennessee. Uh, however, and they're wanting to put in more. They want to put in more. Okay. However, there are objections from people neighboring these facilities and in the next county who are objecting to this because the fumes, the alcohol fumes from the distillery, from the barrel house, are causing fungus. Well, they feed a fungus. They feed a fungus. That's right. And this has always been a problem in the facilities. They've had this, you know, scrub fungus off. There are various vats and pipes and so on, but it's become a bigger problem. In fact, it's being described as a fungus on steroids. It has escaped. Well, it's all over trees. It's on it, people's houses. I'll tell you where it is. Lawn furniture. It's yeah. a, a dark crust blanketing homes, cars, roadsides, bird feeders, patio furniture, and trees. And it is spreading uncontrollably. Fed by alcohol vapors wafting from charred this, oak barrels. This sounds like another television series coming up it, it, yeah. with it, it, a natural right. sponsor. I mean, they'll have, they have a sponsor, right? <laughs> Jack, Jack Daniel. 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 Exactly. No, no, Jack, Jack Daniel says it's not a problem. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're a sponsor. The reason Is they it claim it's the not trees? a problem. The only way, yeah. you know, people have said, well, scrub it. It's going to be fine. Scrub it, Clorox. It always comes back. It always comes back. Yeah. Always comes back. Because, because of the fumes. It's the alcohol it's fumes. fumes. So the only way to stop it yeah. is to stop creating the fumes. And Jack Daniels refuses to do that. They refuse to put in the fill air filters and so on because it could affect the taste of the, of the whiskey. Oh, God. Jack Daniels' position is the fungus does not kill humans. Mm -hmm. And therefore, <laughs> get over it. All right. Basically, well, get it's over. ruining property values. It's ruining that. property values. One lady says, I could try and sell, but hey, who's going to want to live here? So, um, 
It is. It's wrecking patio furniture. That's quite the quote. Uh, <laughs> trees, <laughs> trees are being choked to death. I think this is serious because there's no solution in sight, and it's expanding at a rate that should be of some concern, not only in Tennessee, but in neighboring states, and you know, ultimately. It's funny that it just came to light now. I mean, they've been making Jack Daniels for a long time. They've known about this problem since 1866. But the problem <laughs> and the is... the Times just got on to No, no. It's been within the facilities. And, and it just escaped now? It's just it's just gone on steroids. It's, it's just escaped minute, now. Just es- How? Because Somebody left the door open or something like that? Because oh, it's dystopia. <laughs> because this TV <laughs> series started. Yeah, all right. Okay, so... Tamsin and I gave you guys an assignment. You didn't do it, so we'll cover this ourselves. Tamsin and I saw a movie called The Man Called Otto, and we told oh, you to see right. it. You didn't see it. Yeah. And the reason we wanted you to see it was it takes place in Pittsburgh sure. at a time that you guys were in Pittsburgh. And and so it, it, 1890? 1890 to 1891. That's the story right. is about an older, cranky guy. An older, cranky guy. That, 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 uh, that would be like thing that reminded away. you of me. <laughs> but they keep having flashbacks to... Um, the couple as a young couple. So there's a lot of, you know, scenes, there's a lot of Pittsburgh PA life um, being yeah. recreated be within your see. time frame. Mm-hmm. Right? And, uh, At least their version of what it was. And, and yeah, the guy even goes to Duquesne. Uh, yeah. And uh, there are a couple of things I should ask you about about Pittsburgh. First of all, it makes Pittsburgh seem as a nice enough place to be during that period of time. Here's not really. Well, that, because that's, I want the to ask smog. You oh, there's no smog in this. No, no, of course okay. not. Well, there's no fungus because the smog would kill. Even I, I wasn't fungus. asking about the fungus, <laughs> I know, but there's no smog. Well, look, let, let me make a, let me frame it this way because Tams and I do things in a thorough way, as you know. This film, A Man Called Otto, starring Tom Hanks. Let me, by the way. I'm a little surprised you haven't seen it. It's a tremendously successful film. And let me... You've seen the Swedish antecedent. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you've seen the Swedish antecedent. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, Okay, so Man Called Ove was was in 2016 or so. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't realize, Tamsin, by the way, was nominated for Best Foreign Film. So yeah. it's not it's not an obscure film. So we went back and saw a man called Ove, so mm-hmm. we can compare the two films. Yeah. I had to brush up on my Swedish. Yeah, well, <laughs> our Swedish is, is always top drawer, so that's not an issue for us. And uh, they were, they differed in this way. The, 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 the Swedish movie again, it's about a guy who's terribly grumpy and difficult, and why and it has something to do with his wife who had had uh, medical problems and whatever. I don't want to get too deeply into it, but in the Swedish version, I think you'll agree with me. The guy has a pretty tough young life. I mean, there's some development in his life which are presented as not terribly outside the ambit of what might think of a normal tough life at that post-war time period mm-hmm. in that part of the world. And he certainly takes his hard knocks and it influences the way he is. And if anything, uh, the principal effect of his, his falling in love with this woman, one of the principal effects is she's wonderful for him. I mean, she's able to calm him down. She's able to diminish his anxieties. And eventually with her passing, he becomes embittered in part because she passed, in part because she had such a wonderful, felicitous effect on him. The uh, American version is similar in a lot of ways, but doesn't develop the the characters in flashbacks to that degree. And and doesn't, and, and, and the key thing is the life in Pittsburgh growing up by comparison to the, 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 the life of the young person in Sweden, is not presented as that difficult and that hazardous 
in that rough. So he's not... What are the years? I would say it's the 60s, mm. late 50s, early 60s. Mm. Um, so in that way, in my, I thought the movie resonated less. Mm-hmm. I, I think you might like the man called Otto less. I don't know. You'd have to see it, but you'd get to see Pittsburgh. You know, one thing about Pittsburgh... Well, we couldn't see Pittsburgh even though we lived there yeah. because the smoke... <laughs> There was, no, there was no smoke. From, no, no. No, it was in the movie. Oh, yeah. No, but in reality, yeah. it was smoke. Hanson, am I wrong? Was there smoke in the movie? No. 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 But my mother was, had to no wash my mother had to wash the walls of our house every week. See, this is why so, we didn't know about the fungus right. in Tennessee. Because <laughs> yeah, when people talk about these things, well, they don't mention and this. On your porch, yeah. it was just thick, dark. Really? Oh. See, this and is, you couldn't this is, see. This is eye-opening. You eye couldn't opening. have any yeah. sunlight. You could never see the sun. Are you kidding? No. Nope. And you just thought it was all normal. So when did it subside? It subsided because... The steel of, mills of, shut of, down? Of, of Japanese automobile imports. Right. Oh. Because the U.S. import, U.S. car-making business was under such pressure that it went to Washington and said, we can't keep buying Pittsburgh steel because it's too expensive and it's inferior. We have to be able to import steel. Government said, we like the idea and opened up markets to foreign steel and the Pittsburgh steel industry went south. Rapidly. rapidly. Well, well, that doesn't shock me, but the movie kind of leans in the opposite direction because he, he his job is associated with yeah. industrial products in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I think he's working at a still mill, still mill or something. Oh, like yeah, it. which there were well, there was one. Yeah. And, and, and frankly, part of the uh, the diminution in his mood, I mean, part of his, yeah. his beginning to slide, is the the slide of the industrial yeah. uh, environment in, yeah. uh, of, of industry yeah. in Pittsburgh. That's mm-hmm. a negative oh, yeah. in the movie. Oh, right? yeah. And, and he becomes, uh, you know... You were in that society. There were a lot of people who suffered through that same, that particular phenomenon, and they happened to be workers yeah. who were heavily unionized, overpaid, and underworked. Well, and they worked in steel mills that had not been modernized in a hundred years. Yeah. Well, you, so, would, you would have made a different movie here. Than, yeah, than, <laughs> I, would have made, I would have made a nonfiction movie. <laughs> But um, be interesting to see that. You may remember from the movie that uh, you know the um, Ove had a best friend, had a close friend, and they had kind of a rivalry in terms of cars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, one bought Volvos. One bought Saabs. And the other bought Saab. <laughs> and so they, you know, and they would one up each other. You know, get the latest of this, and Ove was always very disappointed. In his friend's choices, because they're buying foreign cars. No, 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 no. no, Because they're both Swedish cars, but but Volvos and Saabs were rivals until late until late in life. The the, uh, the friend um, buys a BMW. Buys a BMW, and that that cuts the cord completely. Uh, But but in In Otto, they do a similar thing. In the Otto, it's Ford and Chevy. Until at a certain point. The best friend buys a Japanese car. Yeah, yeah. Japanese car. There you have and it. So Otto can't speak to him anymore. Right, right. but 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 Otto's the hero of the movie because like, that was threatening. It wasn't just about cars. That was threatening a oh, way of life. Right, right. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't. They don't expand that movie. They just say there are two things there. Number number two. Number two is that it's just to show that they're they're arguing about nothing. But and number one is the thing that we never figured out. These guys have jobs that you know are decent. But they're buying a new car every year, which I didn't quite understand, which I also didn't understand in the Ove movie. 
I mean, if you yeah. recall the cars they were buying in the old day movies. In certain yeah. years in the U.S., yeah. um, and I would say possibly around that time, maybe a little bit later, people really did get new cars frequently. Yeah, it's because the design changed so much. Well, 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 yeah. My family never had a new car. You, you really did My family didn't, but uh, it was, I think it was a pretty really? keeping up with the Joneses thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, did you guys you get new cars? See, Keeping up with the comforts was yeah, a, you should see, a common phenomenon. Yeah. Anymore. You should oh. see the Tom Hanks version of this. <laughs> okay. because yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's, now we will. It, it's not terrible. It's me, not terrible. It's just wrong. <laughs> but let me tell you how. Can I tell you how successful this movie is? They doubled their investment. Okay. Now, really? What does that mean? That means that it costs fifty million dollars to yeah. make and distribute the movie. They've gotten yeah. over hundred million. Yeah. To give you an idea, Avatar: The Way of Water. Same thing, double their investment. Yeah. Their investment is one point five billion, and they yeah. take it in three. But <laughs> but it's 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 a similar success on a lower yeah. lower scale. It would have cost a lot more had they had they replicated the yes, smoke. I'm <laughs> sorry, Cindy. What uh, you I'd like to just add to this. I just finished a book called American Rust okay. by Meyer M E Y E R, and I'm going to send it home with you two to read because it's all about. Families that went through that period. Really? Oh, yeah. And it talks about the living conditions and how people lost their jobs. And they had no place. They couldn't use their talents anywhere. And they were overpaid. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big mess, but very, very interesting. Okay, great. All right. So the next article. (laughs) We should just mention, oddly enough, the movie, the man named Otto movie. Yeah. Very popular in the Midwest. Yeah. Not popular. That's on right. It's coast. not popular on either coast. It's only popular in the middle of the country. Mm, really? Yeah. yeah, and which is which is highly unusual for movies. Yeah, right. But Pittsburgh is really a Midwest city. Well, Midwest that may culture. be the reason yeah. for whatever yeah. reason. Also, it's Tom Hanks. It's a little bit of traditional America. Whatever. Yeah, okay. I'd but like to see it because I think that Tom Hanks was the one person to play that part. That, that's but I don't that's know probably why. true. Yeah. You're probably right. You're, You're probably, probably right. right. I think it should have been. Um, uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, no, come on. Okay. <laughs> okay, what do we got next? Here? I will tell you, there's a woman named Mariana Trevino who's in the movie with her, and she's the whole movie, not Hanks. Really? Yeah. yeah. She's, she's, she's a Mexican name. She's her. fantastic. Yeah. She carries the movie. Um, Roald Dahl. There's an article, uh, and I had heard about this in the but it's an article in the Times about the fact that uh, the publisher of Roald Dahl books, which are largely children's books, uh, Charlie and Chalka Factory, James and the Giant Peach, uh, is revising the books, uh, revising the books substantially, changing, uh, they say, according to the article, uh, hundreds of words um, as described here, hundreds of words including descriptions of characters, appearances, races, and genders, um, updating words like mothers and fathers, changing them to parents or family. I don't understand that one. But in any event, modernizing it, cleansing it, uh, making it more palatable in certain ways, uh, and people are objecting to this. The reason they're doing it because Roald Dahl was kind of a uh, had a reputation for um, having some bad language, or at least the references that weren't the greatest. He's, he was unpopular in some areas because he was considered wildly anti-Semitic. He was not politically correct in any way. But if there's a, an opposite. The mothers and fathers is kind of a binary. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's the I mean, idea. He yeah. They're changing that because of the tension for same-sex couples. Well, they're changing. They're changing a lot of right? things. Changing, but that's one of the issues. They don't. There's they're no explanation. Away mother and father. Yeah, there could be. It's 
But it could be. But but yeah. but, but the I mean, principle. Yeah. I, I I agree. I mean, yeah. But well, I was just saying that's not in the article. I yeah. Me, but that, that could be. Is anti-Semitism in the article? They mentioned it. Which it's is funny. Becoming what, rampant. What, what they say? They say in the article. They just begin a paragraph in this breezy way. Dahl, who was overtly anti-Semitic, was no stranger to criticism. There's no quotes on that. There's no context to that. There's no explanation to that. You know, we all know that. About yeah. But but none of these references are anti-Semitic. So yeah. that, that's not what they're now, talking about. Dan, do you object to what they're doing? Like, well, forget me for a second. What was interesting to me is that a lot of people are objecting. Uh, Salman Rushdie was objecting. Um, the Prime Minister of Great Britain is objecting. Which surprised me. Uh, because he wrote out of Britain. Uh, well, it just surprised me because, number one, British. I don't know what a politician would want to throw into that. Number two, yeah. if he did, they usually go on the politically correct side of things. Yeah, and well, he's, he's not. A but he's a Tory. It, it, well, look, whatever it is, it, it mm-hmm. surprised me. Um, but it's art. It's art. Exactly. You, change you shouldn't change Well, that's no. the Salman Rushdie principle. That's, that, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Are we so um, limited that we can't be critical of it? We have to whitewash it, change it. I you know, couldn't agree. Pretend it doesn't more. exist. Yeah. This is this is like you know when the, you know they painted over the genitals in the Sistine Chapel. You know, put <laughs> you know, and, as, and did you have to say that? I mean, said, you know, take it easy. Put the underwears on top. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I mean. Uh, well, I thought we were over where, that. Where you know, does it end? But I it, mean, it's just the same as they're banning books in the libraries or. Well, no, it's not that because that's no. Standards. What they're doing is rewriting the freaking books. So yeah. The books don't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah, but also they're taking <laughs> yeah, them out of there worse. so they don't exist. It's worse than the same. Well, all right, all right. I see. We should, I, I should add that this is obviously not just Roald Dahl books. Uh, Ian Fleming's books, James Bond books, are going through the same thing right now. Yeah, and you look. There are probably a lot of sexist references. There are probably a lot of. Uh, you know, references about uh, Asians. Uh, M was of, a woman, wasn't she, in, the, in James Bond? I don't think that's the sexist references I'm okay. going to. But, uh, yeah. But in any event, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's meeting this kind yes. of backlash. You guys, are, I see well, what you guys are doing. huge backlash, a tsunami lash. Well, not enough to stop it. <laughs> because yeah. they're doing it. But, and they're doing it notwithstanding these And the they is the publishers? Yeah. But hold on a second. Yes. I, I want to go back to... We should be the, picking. There's not more outrage of books that are being banned that we grew up with. Related but different issue. Yeah. But well, also, you'd have to get into specific books. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. I, I, I think I, it's related. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it's, it's related. They've been related. banned. They haven't been banned. They've been taken off school library shelves or eliminated from school reading lists. And yeah. yeah. And those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because so, banning feels I agree with you. Well, they can shelves, but reading lists are a little bit different. And then you yeah. then you get into what should the kids learn, and then you get into who should be deciding exactly. what the kids learn, yeah. the teachers or the parents. I and know, then, and that's that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Okay, it's a whole other podcast. Well, you know, we all you know uh, we have no problem saying, oh, Hitler, you know, was so wrong. You know, getting rid of the so-called degenerate art, you know, etc. Yeah. And pres- Prescribing, you know what good art is, and so oh, yeah. on. Yeah. And yet we're doing something the similar. same thing. Yeah, that we think the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. doing something like that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it, it's a pretty widespread, I think. Uh, okay. So the next article, Cindy. Cindy. Yes. Dutch village. <laughs> Dutch village. This uh, is where you're going to make your fortune. You know, it's never too late to make your fortune. I know. David's given up on it, but I think you're the one who could well, I've uh, always find wanted to go on digs. She's just not aware of it. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, there was an article in the Times about a Dutch village 
called Omerin, which is in the north uh, eastern section of Holland. That the rumors, or that someone came across an old map uh, supposedly showing where some ammunition boxes were buried by Nazi soldiers. And that they supposedly were full of jewelry, all kinds of valuables, and that possibly they thought they might come back after the war and find the treasures. But they haven't find, found anything. So people are looking for these treasures? People are looking, and they've had uh, detectorists out looking, and people are flocking to this area and digging. And the only things that have been found lately are some gold Roman coins. Which the Romans left there, or, yeah. or not, it wasn't not the, Nazis. the Nazis? No, okay. no. So, uh, so this sounds like another movie to me. It does. I mean, it's a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I could see it as a combination of mad, 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 mad world. Yeah. And, uh, well, this will bring in the tourists. Russian. Well, I can certainly see the Dutch residents flocking to a place where they might be able to find gold. Well, apparently, yeah, a lot of people says, are doing. Yeah, it. but it says that these were, you know, stolen items. Yeah. And they're sort of sacred. No, I so think what they're saying, what they're saying, they're saying, they're saying from the Dutch, from all over. Yeah, no. But it anyway, um, I was telling the group here that I was in Germany and taken on a tour of uh, the search for Nazi gold, which I hadn't even focused on. And apparently, there are still rumors about gold being thrown in the lakes. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, big time. And also, uh, we were at an army base where we were taken into the lower area where there was a bowling alley. And supposedly, they found the entire bowling alley topped with gold, bricks of gold. Who got it? I don't remember who got it, but I don't know. No, and then I think they said they saw people probably in white uniforms, because we saw some of those, with a little bit like green on it, so it looked camouflaged, trekking up into the woods in the wintertime. And so they're figuring that there's gold up in there. Really? Yeah. So you guys didn't get any gold? No, no, I didn't have a chance. But on your next trip, you might want to consider. But here's my question. Are you guys familiar with the expression Dutch husband? You know what Dutch Dutch husband is? Dutch auction. No. Dutch Dutch street. What does it mean? I I came across it recently. Do you know what Dutch husband is? You know those... It's not a Jewish expression. It's like one of those really long, big Should pillars. we be using the word husband, by the way? No, those yeah. we, we long... Use. One of those long, uh, yeah, yeah, long, yeah. big pillows yeah. that you like oh, snuggle yes. up with, yeah. you know, throw one leg over Sw- or whatever. That's, that's called a Dutch, Dutch husband. husband. Is that yes. an insult of Dutch men, or what is that? I, maybe it's a compliment to Dutch men. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, bet you, I'll bet you they developed after World War II or during World War II and so many men were gone. Well, that's it. See, that's the nice thing about you, Cindy. You always find you always find uh, the most comfortable explanation. Oh yeah, well, just the Tamsin was going in a completely different direction. I know. When she said it was a compliment, sounds like the perfect husband, really. Oh, there you go. See, that's 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 what Tamsin was going. All right. So then we were going to talk briefly. I don't know. We have a lot to say about this because we're in too much in agreement on this. There's an article in the Times about the emergence of uh, accessory dwelling units. The idea of people building units. That are semi-attached or attached or next door to their houses it's on their lots. The category for their in-laws that should be done, but won't. There you go. Okay, now we're now I'm riled up. Yeah. No, 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 no. But people are doing it. People, are do- older oh, people, instead of downsizing and moving out, yeah, um, are building a small 
uh, house or something like a in tiny, their backyard. Tiny house? Moving yeah. into well, that. You, you guys were thinking of doing and, yeah, letting, their, right. letting well, their children move into yeah. the big house. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great idea because it's, you know, you worry about what you're going to do with your elderly parents. And a lot of them can't afford to go into some kind of an independent living well, center. Well, there's another thing there, too. Yeah. The but, kids have no idea how to raise children. I mean, <laughs> right. Oh. I mean, there's that. It's a, it's a safety issue. <laughs> exactly. They need us there. I mean, what are they going to do? <laughs> yeah, and the uh, the old folks are not particularly handy, so they can always call on the next generation. Like we call Basically, on Quan. Son-in-law. Um, no, but I, it's but the, the part I think that's sad about that is that it's eating up a lot of the properties, particularly, say, around Pittsburgh where the yards aren't very big, or here in Richmond they're allowing that. But 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 but, but yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, but it does it can improve the demographics in a lot of ways. I mean, uh, in some areas you're getting very limited. You know, no old people living in the area, oh, yeah. or nor young people living in the yeah. area. Yeah. This way, you know, uh, you are kind of expanding the demographic with without necessarily changing uh, the services that are needed, right. um, et cetera. But, but it's also alleviating a housing crisis. I mean, you're reading all Definitely. the time about a housing crisis oh. and young people can't afford a place to buy. Right. And, and this way you work something out and yeah. suddenly you have more housing. Yeah. And that's why it's popular in California. Yeah. Because that's where the housing crisis may be, uh, you know, greatest. So, uh, we're all for it. Yeah. I mean, some governments are, uh, Maybe not every couple would be for it. Well, no, no. Maybe it'll be the. Well, I just going to object. I do think that I do think that Ellie probably had reservations. But do you say there's legislature going on? Yeah. So there is there is model legislation. Uh, It's it's before the um, governing bodies in New Jersey now Mm -hmm. to uh, make it sort of the default for all towns to allow accessory dwellings, including Trenton, including Trenton, including everything. and there's certain individual towns can adopt it already. Princeton, New Jersey has adopted it already, and other yeah. towns in New Jersey have adopted it already. And this goes against the grain of what you normally see with these kind of towns, who are very restrictive in terms of zoning and the like. Yeah. Uh, and yet they've opened their arms to that. So it's, it's kind of an interesting phenomenon. Yeah. Can these accessory dwellings generally be used for like Airbnb purposes? I don't is, is think that so. I, I, I don't well, think like, you can. I don't think they monitor that. What they don't want is they don't want people to be building Airbnbs. You know, they want them to be accessory dwellings. So now you're going to monitor the use? Well, that's always the case. Look, there are rules, and we know this, Tamsin, that exist with respect to just putting putting the ADU thing aside. How much can you use? Can you use your house as an Airbnb? Uh, You kind of can in most towns to a very limited degree. In other words, once you get beyond a certain kind of usage, and yeah. you're officially a bed and breakfast. Right. And there are a lot, more, like lot that, more Airbnbs than are than have been permitted, though. Yes, yeah. that's true. Well, that's 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 yeah. true of the world generally. There's yeah. a lot more going on than it's than is permitted. Yeah. So you can't move out of your house and just uh, use it entirely. No, no, no. As an Airbnb. No. Let me no. just put this. It'll be illegal. My point. Build yeah. an additional house. Is that once you open? I mean, I'm in favor of this, particularly for the older generation, but. Once you start allowing people to build structures on their property, limiting that to the old folks is going to be very, yeah. very difficult. Yeah, all right. It might be. It might be. Well, there's also other family members who could possibly use it. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. not necessarily yeah. for the elderly, but... Yeah, I mean, but that's that's not a reason really yeah. to oppose it in my mind, because there is a legitimate use for it, and, and you have to police it, I suppose. Yeah. All right. So, 
David had another article on, was it an article? Or no, it's actually an op-ed piece an op-ed by piece. a gentleman I once worked with named Greg Craig, who was a White House counsel under Clinton and then came back under Obama. And I happen to know he's a very, very sound um, thinker, reasonable thinker. Uh, and he is suggesting that right now, uh, because of the controversy over Biden's age and longevity, um, we ought to go back to the practice of having the vice presidential nominee of a party chosen by voters, or at least chosen by delegates or in a convention, or in the same way that the presidential nominee is chosen. So they'd have to go out on the trail? Well, yeah, they, in effect, they'd have to well, run but, for but it. The, yeah. So that the presidential yeah. nominee doesn't simply designate. Yeah. yeah. And, and the advantage of this is if you have a president who's going to be 80 and well into his 80s, if he survives, you know, questions are, are already rising about how long he's going to live, how long he's going to be capable yeah. of governing, yeah. how long he's going to be sanctioned. Yeah. Um, and it would, there would be a lot more legitimacy attached to a vice president who may well become president if that individual was nominated by a democratic process rather than simply by yeah. a person. And, I mean, let's remember, George W. Bush picked Dick Cheney. George Herbert Walker Bush picked Dan Quayle. And John McCain picked Sarah Palin. These people were allowed to pick their own um, vice presidential candidates. And look what they picked. All right. Well, let's look. I think that's there's something to that. I mean, it will make things uh, pretty complicated, uh, more complicated. Than they yeah. otherwise were. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's an interesting idea. Um, all right. So we're down to our last our last item. David, we need you for this. Get over here because you're the only person who remembers this well. You got to be. You must be the oldest person in the room. Just guessing. I am. <laughs> okay. Not because I must be. The uh, all right. Well, you're right. Uh, <laughs> I'm still listening. Bob Richards passed away, and no one remembers Bob Richards in this table better than you remember Bob Richards. Is that I fair? a pole vault full, oh. full uh, stop. Well, I, you know, I must have seen a, a million uh, pictures of him on the Wheaties box, On Wheaties right? box. All right. So and Bob he won Richards, a gold medal, didn't he? Yes. Bob Richards, Just uh, let me just get the facts out. Won the gold medal for pole vaulting in 1952 and 1956. Hmm. He is the only man to win consecutive pole vaulting gold medals in the Olympics. Yeah, in those days, even it was now. like nine feet. It was, he, he jumped three and a half feet. Yes. He, he jumped with, a, he, with an aluminum pole. And it was, you know, it was 15 or 16 feet would win. His own son, by the way, with a fiberglass pole, as a high schooler, later jumped 18 and a half feet. Well, our seven law is about to join us. Uh, let's find out how high he jumped. Yeah, well, pole well, well, we're going to find out about it off the air. But my, my point is this. So he was a great champion. And Tamsin's point about the Wheaties box. He was, you know, he looked like uh, what was considered an all-American guy at the time. He was on the Wheaties box from 1958 to 1970. That's, you know, 12 years. In other words, it feels like the Wheaties box changes every few months now. I don't buy a lot of Wheaties. Mm -hmm. But uh, he was iconic in his own way. I think his life story should be, uh, he he should be played by Tom Cruise. 
Uh, it's too late. It's too late. He could play the older too small. Bob Richards. And uh, Bob Richards just represented a different uh, time uh, as much as anything. He, he epitomized that time in the 50s that perhaps a man called Otto took place. Um, and uh, became a pastor, minister, religious person, ran for president in sort of a uh, very conservative platform to the right of Ronald Reagan. Lost to Ronald Reagan, by the way. And uh, came in third in that election. Uh, Texas? Uh, you know, I don't know, but that uh, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, from yeah, yes. <laughs> He's not from Pittsburgh, no. He wishes he was from Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, yeah, he had lived on a ranch in Santo, Texas. Uh, so there you go. Uh, all right, so that's all we have. Uh, from beautiful downtown Richmond. Beautiful downtown yeah. Richmond. Always a pleasure to do the podcast with the Gompertz. Uh, anybody have any final words? Uh, yes, the podcast is an excuse to see our friends Tamsin and Dan. There you go. And their daughter, Sadie. That's, that's true enough. We're always a pleasure to see you guys. Bye, Jim Beam. Bye, Jim Beam. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to Jack Daniels, I guess. If All right. Care about the earth. All right. We'll see you. So this is Tamsin Granger. Dan Abuha. Uh, with Tamsin and Dan, read the paper. See you next week.